Hey everyone, back again. Today I'm going to talk about Homi Baba's idea of hybridity out of his text, The Location of Culture. Now before jumping into that, if you want to follow me anywhere other than here, you can find me on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy or on Twitter at David Guineo. If you want and you found this on YouTube, you'd be able to find it in podcast form pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts, so there shouldn't be any ads. Or if you found this in podcast form, you'd be able to find the video on YouTube if you're interested in that at all. If you want to help me out, like, share, subscribe. Oh, if you're new here, welcome. I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts and ideas in a way that makes them accessible to you. So be sure to like, share, subscribe. I'd love to see you back. Uh, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't already, do all those things. That would help me out a lot. If you want to help me out monetarily, you can do that via Patreon or PayPal, but obviously no pressure. And yeah, I don't want to waste any more of your time with that stuff. Let's talk about hybridity. Now this concept is incredibly difficult and so is the rest of the text. And so I want to stress that to really get a full understanding of this term and Homi Baba's ideas more generally, you have to try and dive into this text even though that's a very difficult thing to do. It is not an easy text to jump into. It's one that I've read quite a few times and it's still every single time I read it, you know, after having gone and read a bunch of Derrida or Foucault or something, I'll come back and, and be like filling in blanks and it's it's very difficult read. And so I'm gonna try to give as best of an introductory kind of s summary of the idea of hybridity that is pretty central to this text that he provides here. Now I think it's important to kind of set the tone that is what exactly or who exactly Baba is writing against. And when I use, I'm using that term against kind of loosely here. But he's really writing against the ideas of like Edward Said and Gayatri Speedback without being so direct in order to problematize the notion that post-colonial theory is a theory that posits the existence of colonized people and colonizers as though there's this very neat split between the two. Now, I want to put an asterisk here to say that while Baba's, what he does in problematizing the two might seem to be a way to disavow the horrors of colonialism, I really want to stress that that's not the case at all. Rather, what he is giving us is something, at least how I read it, a supplement to all of these other approaches. Now, for Baba, he's really quite dissatisfied with the idea that in colonization, there's just a colonial group that imposes rule over a colonized group, and they just then therefore adopt the kind of way of being of the colonizer. Now, obviously, colonizers exert so much power that it often just results in the killing of colonized people. And that is obviously, it. when that happens, everything I'm about to discuss in terms of what Baba gives us is, is irrelevant because he's discussing this in terms of a pretty gentle form of colonization where there isn't just like full on slaughter of colonized people. So we have to really keep that in mind and that the kind of colonization he's discussing is one in which people are allowed to live, which is different from, you know, any uh, or other kinds of forms of colonization. And so it's important to kind of keep that in mind here. The core of his idea of hybridity comes out of the collapse of this neat distinction between colonizer and colonized. Now, 
It extends further than this to propose the disintegration of the distinction as well between home and world, between past and future, between subject and object. Hybridity is the moment and space in which these two categories blend together. Now this doesn't mean, or he's not putting forward a kind of nice, liberal, cosmopolitan approach to something like colonization, as though people will just get along in this kind of hybrid form of adopting, you know, the, the traits that are nice of one culture and leaving the rest, and, you know, everyone can get along on the basis of that very, you know, unfruitful agreement between people. But in any case, so instead what he is describing is one that points to the discursive limits of the possible representation of a binary opposition between the two. Now I know that that might be a lot to kind of unpack. It's like, what the hell? What are those words you just said? Well, what I mean by that is that one of the hallmarks of, I guess, European uh, worldview, or one of its worldviews, is through this thing called binary oppositions. And it's a pretty common theme, you know, going all the way back to Descartes, we think of this split between mind and mind and body, where the mind is privileged and the body is seen as something that hinders any kind of, using the term loosely, loosely here, but might hinder transcendence or moving into the realm of the divine or the pure or whatever. So these kinds of distinctions really function quite instrumentally within European ideology. I'll just use that word loosely as well. Now, in the colonial moment, what happens is that there is this imposition of this binary logic as well. Like, it just makes sense. I mean, the colonizers are going to bring with them their dominant order and the dominant way that they look at the world, and they are going to impose that upon colonized people to say that you are other to our non-other, to our being subjects. And now, by virtue of that, we can impose order and rule upon you because we are you know, greater. We have one of the ideas put forward is that European people are more advanced and therefore they somehow have this right to do whatever they want to anyone on earth, you know, so on and so forth. But in colonization and all of its horrors emerges not such a smooth distinction between subject and object or between any other kinds of binaries. Because what actually happens is the adoption and this might seem totally counterintuitive, that is the negative effects of this, but there is the adoption on the part of the colonized people of the various ways of living by the colonizer, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, you adapt to those people that are threatening to kill you. But in that, suddenly the sanctity or the assumed pureness of the various things that the colonizers took to be their own, to be you know part of the divine order, part of their connection to God or whatever, suddenly they're seeing those things being replayed, being kind of mimicked almost by the colonized. And now here comes the kind of transgressive potential of this moment of hybridity, because no longer are those things taken to be so pure, so European, so advanced. Now they're being associated with these people that are not considered to be of a higher esteem like the Europeans. So it is in this way that we see a kind of reversal occur in the process of colonization, where colonized people come to cast back the eye of power upon those in power by adopting those things 
that the eye of power, the colonizer, took to be their own. Now, I think that if you've been listening, you might say, okay, that's all well and good. You know, there might be this kind of resistance in this discursive plane of, you know, hybridity, of borrowing the other person's culture and, and mutating it to the point that, you know, it's unrecognizable to the colonizer, the thing that they took to be their own. But how effective is this really at mounting any kind of resistance to colonial power? And I want to say, quite frankly, I don't actually know. And I don't think that it is particularly effective at mounting any kind of change. And I think that this is certainly one of the limits of what Baba gives us here, especially in the ways that, you know, totally disavows that people experience colonization in ways that they don't get to actually throw back the eye of power upon the colonizer. They are instead just slaughtered. And there's no, you know, way to other way to go about it that, you know, their entire lives are uprooted or they'll just adopt the uh, colonial way of life or many ways of life and by virtue of that be completely assimilated and the colonizer doesn't even care because then they'll just leave. And then there's, is it, you know, we can ask, okay, well, is this reversal still having an effect on the colonizer? Like, it seems as though there won't be this transgressive potential at that point. There won't be this transgression of colonial power. So we have to be very careful of what Baba gives here, gives us here, whether or not it's actually effective in any way at challenging the horror or of undoing the horror of colonization. But one of the things that it does do is it does, and I've kind of already suggested this, is it disturbs the idea that the various ways in which colonial Europeans especially live in the world are only theirs. And this marks an undoing of various predispositions, various notions about how certain things are seen as more pure than others, more advanced, more true, you know, reserved only for the most advanced privileged people on earth. Now through colonization that is meant to impose order, then we see that order slowly become undone. But again, how effective this actually is, I don't know. I would probably lean to the side of saying it's not effective at all. And then we have to take up this idea very carefully in terms of discussing colonization because, you know, it's hard to imagine that there's any kind of redemption there. There's anything to glean from it that is positive, be it transgressive or not. It's hard to celebrate any moment of, of these, these horrendous acts throughout all of history. And that more or less covers it. Uh, you know, I tried to tone down the difficult language that Baba uses for those that haven't yet read it. Baba is notoriously difficult to read. Uh, the language he uses is incredibly difficult. His syntax is incredibly difficult. There are these long paragraph long sentences that are just so impenetrable. But in any case, I tried to give you an idea here about hybridity in the most accessible way that I can. And if, you know, I excluded anything, or if you think that, you know, I could have put something uh, in another way that would have been more clear, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, but yeah, if you like what I did, be sure to like, share, subscribe, and uh, catch you next time. Take care.